0: This week's episode of the Lo-Fi Top 5 is brought to you by Manscaped. Is bathing suit season, y'all. Sun's out, gun's out. That means you got to be on your self-care game. Enter Manscaped. Listen, the folks at Manscaped were cool enough to send us the Performance Package 4.0. It's got the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for that body shave. It's got the Weed Whacker for your ear and nose. It's got the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, some toner, a pair of boxers, a travel bag... Listen, whether you need to take care of some manscaping yourself or got someone in your life who does, this is your answer. These trimmers are waterproof. They're going to make you smooth, clean, more aerodynamic for that inevitable belly flop you still do to make your friends laugh. I'm using these products myself and genuinely, I actually love them. Like way less nicks and missed spots. So much easier than messing around with razors, especially in those special bits. Uh, Manscaped is a lo-fi favorite, guys. Get 20% off at Manscaped and free shipping with promo code LOFI at manscaped.com. That's lo-fi at manscaped.com. Now, on to the episode. Jeremy, it's summertime and we're back. I wanna see love is it summertime?
1: Because I'm wearing a hoodie again today. It's summer where I am, it's like, it's big time summer. It it can't make up its mind over here. That's what I'm just saying. It, it like Tuesday it was summer, and today it's like mid spring. And um, I need less fickleness in my weather.
0: Then you, my friend, need to leave the Northeast as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> yeesh, yeesh. I should follow you down there. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Uh, you know, uh, hot, but other than that, things are things are pretty good, man. I got uh, I got nothing to complain about. How about you, man? Same same. We had a big uh, big week in the
1: family. We've had some visitors, we've had a wonderful celebration. I think I said celebration last time. I think you did. I think I did. And now, you know, I'm ready to record some uh some lo-fi.
0: Well, so good news, bad news about that. So, good news is we're going to do it. Bad news is how? Question mark. <laughs> Oh, I brought back the mystery
1: spinny picker wheel of genres 3000.
0: Yeah, which is good. And I think that just because we always have transparency with our listeners, I've, I want to actually say something, which is that we, we we love doing like the using, you know, like go deep on one person's catalog. And there were some people that we were going to do. And like, we, we've just decided, like, we, we kind of last minute decided that there's like just enough grossness in this person's background that we're just not going to do it. And uh, I'm glad we made that decision. And I'm telling you that we made that decision without telling you the name because we're not going to try to like figure out, have you guess who it is, but to basically prepare you for the lack of preparedness for the rest of this episode because we were going to do something different and now we're not. So it's going to be like we did the last time we did this, which is going to be a very small amount of time that we will break away. So we'll do Spinny Wheel of Death. We will find out what we're doing. We will take a very short amount of time to do a mild amount of research to make sure that we are at least somewhat oriented and then it's off to the races. (laughs) By the way,
1: JT, I really thought you were going to give the—we're uh, not going to tell you who it is—but it sort of sounds a lot like Schmeremi Schmoman. <laughs> kind of but uh, you are—you are the—you are the, took the higher road, sir. Well, I do have the spinners ready to go. I made a little tweak so oh, that good. we can uh, we can have a little fun. Just gave us a little bit more, you know, narrowed down the genres a bit. So I'm going to now put in front of JT for the first time the categories that we will be choosing from today. JT, can you see my
0: screen? I can, and I will read them out loud. Let's see. We've got biopic, drama, sci-fi, fantasy, rom-com, non-comedy sports, oh boy, comedy, oh, and thriller. I was going to make it thriller plus horror.
1: I'm going to allow, since that's a genre you play in and I don't, I'll allow you to include horrors in the thriller as needed. Oh, I but like I just, thriller. I can't go deep in horror. So
0: yeah, no, that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. I could easily make some horror stuff. Some th- I could just call them throwers if I want. Oh, I kind of hope it's thriller. I'm going to be honest.
1: All right. Well, let me know and I'll push the spinny button and we'll see what happens.
0: All right. Spin it. Let's go.
1: All right. in your in your head everybody make one of those like uh the, the not the not the wheel of fortune spin sound I want the prices right um what do they call that one the, the their wheel Spin oh, the wheel just spin the wheel yeah, it's just spin right? the wheel I think the big yeah. wheel yeah here we go it is making that noise in my headphones right now just so everybody knows I'm here Rom-com. There was also a real starbursty sound effect that happened, so it was very. This has been very melodic for me. This, this, JT's just watching li- words flash on the screen, but I'm sitting here with sound effects and animations and stuff.
0: Yeah, none of that's happening right. for for me or the audience, but that's cool.
1: <laughs> it's like the uh, that SNL skit, the uh, alien abduction one. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're not dealing with the uh, top shelf crew here. Okay. <laughs> now we have the genre, uh, sorry, the year to choose from. So I'll read this one. It's pre eighties. So anything before the eighties, the eighties, nineties, two thousands. And then again, I bundled the 2010s and twenties together, uh, which, you know, by our four or 500th episode, we will have the twenties as its own distinct decade. There or you for go. Now it's uh, it's part. Are you ready? For this spinning of what really actually looks like a grapefruit.
0: It does look like a grapefruit. Anything but pre eighties, please.
1: <laughs> Wait, I don't even know how many three pre eighties thrillers will be interesting. I'm sorry, pre eighties rom coms will be interesting to uh to go through, but we'll see. I'm sure there's something Sure.
0: 80s rom-coms. Can you deal? 80s is listen. Anything but pre-80s was fine. 80s I can definitely make work. Pre-80s would have been an unmitigated nightmare for me. But I feel good about this. All
1: right, JT. So we're gonna stop recording in a moment. Set the 10-minute timer, and then come on right back to y'all.
0: Yep. A few moments later. That was hard. That was hard.
1: Am I wrong, JT, or? There's the uh, would there would we say there's not a plethora of good rom coms from the eighties like
0: we might have thought. I do not think that word means what you think it means. No, I I really had a hard time. Like this, basically, like is basically going to turn into like a which is my favorite of this director's movies is what this is going to turn into for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that these that the lists will have high overlap because I don't think there's any other way around
0: it. Yeah, I got 10 total plus a Shawshank, which we'll get into, right? We'll just get straight into it. Because this was like, for some reason, when it came up on The Spinny Wheel of Death, I was like, okay, 80s, cool. Like, that'll be fine. And then, like, started thinking about it, started thinking about it. Four movies came to mind. Five movies came to mind. Then I was like, oh, boy, I need to internet. Like, I think I need to internet because it's not happening. And then interneted, And unfortunately... Like, was like, oh, okay. I have seen a fair amount of these once and have no recollection of most of them. So, couldn't speak right. intelligently to like any of them for the most part. So,
1: I, I have one of those in particular that I know deserves to be in the top five, but I had sure. to put in Pong because I can't really talk about it.
0: I had, like, so I only did the the ones that I could talk about at all, including Pong, but, like, I don't even have a Fast Five, because the Fast Five would have just been me telling you what the internet said, which we try really hard not to do on this podcast, so I was like, I'm just not even going to bother. Like, I don't know. Same. I know those movies. I've heard of them, and I'm like, cool. Well, I can't talk about it, so. And
1: I also refuse to put anything in my list that I don't actually like as a movie. So. There's a couple of those, there's a couple of the teen ones in particular that I actually just don't like, and I'm not, uh, I'm not yielding to the fate of the spinny wheel of terrible genre choices by me.
0: I think it's, I, I, I'm happy that we're at least standing on our laurels. Um, so let's get straight into the Shawshank, which is our category definer. Um, I do think there is a clear winner in this one. So I definitely have one. I think it's your turn this week, but I also never know. <laughs> It
1: is your turn this week. I know what you're going to pick. I mean, I assume I know what you're going to pick because I do believe it's the only true Shawshankable answer. I I just left in my top five only to make sure I actually had five to really talk about. So yeah, go funny. ahead. Tell us about when Harry met Sally.
0: Right. So Belafonte introduced to field <laughs> and you can go first with your first pick, which is when Harry met Sally. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, you know I, I think I think we'll treat this as like a half Shawshank in that it's the definitive answer but why don't we give it a couple of minutes of the, the pitter patterns and, and, and see what we feel like talking about this movie sure I, I by the way would it in a in a true rom-com only episode would consider Shawshanking this movie over Annie Hall so I just yep. want to make sure that I've stated that like
0: I think that's actually probably right. Like, I think that this is like, like, I, I genuinely think this defined the genre. <laughs> like, like I don't know that after 89, you can find a, a good rom-com that doesn't have at least three. That's from When Harry Met Sally moments.
1: I, I fully agree. And I, and I think this is where it gets interesting is Annie Hall is... First of all, it, it's definitely the only other one I'd put as like this level of you know, where where do these fit in the pantheon of the rom-com genre? But Eddie Hall is I don't know if I want to say darker in a way, it's just more weirder in a way. It's got some more oddballness to it, which is part of what makes it such a great movie, but sort of pulls back from its true rom cominess. Whereas here you've got, as you were saying, like all of the basics that then become the foundation for so many other rom-coms. Yeah, I think the best thing about *When Harry Met Sally* that really makes it stand apart from, I think, what I would like to label as sort of the '90s and early 2000s era of the genre is almost nothing in this movie is the um, is the idiot plot, is the accidentally overheard assume this is really about me, but it's really about you or somebody other person or someone who's not even in the storyline, you know, everything that happens in this movie sort of happens with purpose and agency. Yep. Right. And then, I mean, it's just so much fun, you know, it's fun. It's quotable. It's easily rewatchable. The, uh the, the, it, it has its time and place in a really nice way without, it doesn't feel dated, but it's
0: definitely happens when it happens. I was actually just going to ask you when the last time you saw this was.
1: Mm, I'm going to go with 10 plus years ago, but probably not 20 plus years ago.
0: Okay. Cause I've seen this again in the past, like three years, probably. Okay. And was... I don't want to say surprised because I hold this movie in pretty high regard, but was delighted at how it holds up. If you remove the technology and fashion, it's like, it's just good. Like, and it's because of what you said, right? Like everyone, it feels like it could actually happen. All the things are like, those are all plausible, weird. And of course, hilariously coincidental, but like all totally reasonable and everybody acts accordingly. And it's just so well acted. It's so well done. It's a great movie. It's a great movie.
1: Absolutely agreed. I I also think the the vignettes, the old people talking at the camera at the throughout the movie. Again, there had been some ty- other movies that had played with similar kinds of uh, kind of use of storytelling, but this one perfected it in, in such an interesting and fun way, right? And and really rounded out a story. Right? Like like by having these classic couples and their classic little lovey dovey moments, you know you, you, you kind of know what's being set up the entire time. The interesting thing about this movie, and, and again, I don't we're not even doing spoilers on movies from the 80s, but <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen with Harry Metali, I don't know what to say. But uh, what's interesting about it is I recall the feeling and even upon several rewatches, You know it's coming, but in a way you don't. Like, they they handle the are-they-going-to-get-together storyline, I think, in a lot more of an interesting way than some of the, and I don't mean this to be too much of a pejorative, but sort of your Kate Hudson, J-Lo, Heigl-style rom-coms where it's, like, the forced, like, oh, now they hate each other because of this, and, like, we're going to find a way to have them come back together at the end with this clever little whatever Whereas this one feels more like they they grow apart for the right reason they re- and they reconnect for the right reason and I think that's part of what's so special
0: about the movie. Yeah, I think that's perfectly stated. I agree. It's a great pick.
1: All right, what's your uh, first pick then of the day?
0: All right, my first pick. Uh, I am I just for the time that we had, I went with my normal sort of like trying to get you to guess the title, Queen's Daughter, Recent Fiance.
1: Recent fiance. Queen's daughter would be a princess, something. Princess. Oh, my gosh.
0: Did you forget Princess Bride? I
1: forgot about the Princess Bride.
0: Oh, Jeremy, how dare you?
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, JT. (laughs) Oh, JT. What is happening here? What is happening here?
0: How did you Uh, do that?
1: All right. I, I don't know what's weird is it was one of the first things that came to mind when we did the spinning wheel. And then I don't know, because maybe, maybe I wasn't, you know, wearing the old headphones or something. I just didn't write it down. And then we'll go on. Let's just talk about the princess bride instead of why I
0: suck. Well, you don't suck. This is a miss for you though, because this is like a movie. This is a movie. This is the princess bride. Right. And like, I, I yeah, no full,
1: I, I, full fail, full, full capital capital f a l fail
0: <laughs> well done uh yeah i mean so uh, there were two movies that i wrote down immediately before we did anything else which was like oh these two are definitely there and they were the they're the first two that i'll talk about this was the very first one because it's it's all the things like it's all my favorite things mm-hmm. it's it mm-hmm. is a is a definite rom-com, like hundred percent it is a romantic comedy, that also manages to put in this like hilarious action-adventure portion, which is like you know, sort of panny and silly, but but fun. The characters in this movie are among the most rememberable of all time, I would argue. Uh, Pirate Roberts is a shtick that I used in high school where I had like a fake name that I used with my hall monitors that, that I passed down to my friend, Josh, who then passed it down to our friend, Mike for our, our, our senior year. Uh, Mandy Patinkin, the end, just, just Mandy, anything he's in this one is, you know, I mean, he's great in everything he's ever done, but you know, there's t-shirts about Anigo Montoya. And the thing that's amazing about this movie is that if it, there's so much cool stuff that happens, that you could forget entirely that it is a rom-com, but it actually is a rom-com and a brilliantly done, perfectly situated and suited, again, minus the whole, like, you know, it's obviously in this weird world and all that stuff, but all of that removed, like really thoughtful and really sweet and really cute and really clever and with a great payoff and a fun story that goes along the way that they managed to turn, like, you know, this is like the Goonies of... uh, Love stories. It's just it's all the stuff you want in a movie, which is why it's like a it's a really high up there all time movie for me.
1: By the way, everybody, all I'm doing is sitting here fuming. JT's literally <laughs> watching the steam coming out of my head on our Zoom call because everything he's saying, plus a hundred, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's true. It's a, it, it, it's it's obviously a fantasy, it's obviously family friendly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Rom com. you know yeah and two for two on billy crystal look at that
0: i know well for obvious reasons because he's the best
1: well he won't be in my next one
0: okay well i'm excited for your next one and i'm also in a weird way when i got you on Gollum, which is still i would argue probably like the best get that i've had for you like i felt good and proud of myself on this one i actually feel bad for you because I feel no, like this I, one I feel bad should, bad should have been there for you.
1: <laughs> what you going to say? I don't even know yeah. what to say. It's all right. All
0: right. Next one. Keep moving.
1: Uh, sigh. Sigh, sigh, sigh. They okay. Sigh. <laughs> Male cow, town near you.
0: Oh. Um boy cow <laughs> North Carolina City
1: <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty good what it, what's the most words we've had to come I think we've gotten four of the same words on one a couple weeks back
0: I think we did yeah
1: I think if if that 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 that'll have to form if, if that event occurs if the lo-fi top five singularity occurs something dramatic is gonna
0: have to happen Yeah agreed for sure
1: okay. Okay, so, yeah, listeners, if you have an idea for what we should have to do, like a required next episode, should we ever get the exact same five word description of a movie? uh, Throw it on the Twitters or something and we'll uh, we'll we'll do it for sure. We'll commit to it. So, yeah, this was in your top five or in your Pong?
0: Uh, This is in Pong for me. Okay, so I just rewatched this like last week. Bull Durham, just in case anybody didn't put together the five words. Go on. Oh, right. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I just rewatched this last week and gotta say, I loved every second of it. It's so much fun to watch. I haven't seen it since my 20s. I don't know exactly when in my 20s, but we'll go with 20 plus years. And it really changed the way I looked at it now that I am i don't know exactly. I'm now older than I guess how Kevin Costner was playing in the movie. I guess in the movies, mid-30s and... You know, I, I sort of saw it in my twenties, and now seeing it in my late forties, it was a totally different movie. It was really interesting to watch. As I think I used to watch it more as like a baseball movie with romantic comedy undertones, and this time watched it more as a romantic comedy with baseball undertones.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Right, because I could really pick up much more nuance on the relationships between. Uh, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins and Sarandon and Kevin Costner. And it's a, it's just a delightful movie. You can see the whole way through how Sarandon and Costner are playing off each other and then how Nuke shows up. And is like just this, like the bull of the movie in a way He's like the bull in the China shop kind of thing. He's by the way, absolutely great in this movie. This is like Tim Robbins on fire. Probably actually the best performance of the movie is Tim. Cause he's I so goofy. Would
0: totally agree with that. I actually think this like is one of my favorite examples of of, of how big his range is because then you've got like this and then Mystic River is like the two polar opposites. And this is like th- this was Tom Hanks. Like this is where he he could have done the Tom Hanks thing. Like the goofy funny all those things. He could have been that forever. And I love I actually love him in this movie. He's my favorite part of this movie by a lot. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Very nice. Uh and I I also felt again, I think part of why I picked this one again from our not too big a list, but one of the reasons I liked it was it also has a very real feel to it. Like the characters feel real. They feel very invested in their lives. Like they have real world problems, real world emotions. And while it's obvious throughout that Costner and Sarandon are going to like play this game with each other, it's really done in a really fun way. And, um, Costner's often kind of criticized as a bit of a wooden actor. I think his I think his Crash portray like if if we had seen more Crash Davis from uh, Costner, I think he wouldn't have received quite as much criticism. I don't know, but while watching, I noticed like he wasn't that wooden in this movie. I don't know if it's something he just sort of developed afterward. But if there's one thing that I, as much as we'll talk about how we might like Nicole Kidman, but she doesn't seem to have chemistry all three of them and even all of the all of the baseball stuff and all the everybody in this movie seem to have great chemistry with each other like i'd love to have seen this cast make four more movies you know what i
0: mean yeah for sure yeah and so you actually hit on the reason it's not in my top 5 is because this for me is still a baseball movie it just is um, and and yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time. And so probably that's because, you know, 14 year old JT who saw it the first time and maybe again, again, my 20s JT was like, oh, this is a baseball movie that has like this like weird thing with this lady. Um, now probably <laughs> it would change. Um, but yeah, the standout for me in this is and will forever be Robbins. Like he's so good. It's just like such a perfect, It's he's it's such a perfect portrayal.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's it's funny, thinking back to this and when, when Harry Met Sally, is how much they had scenes that were so iconic at the time. Like the Bull Durham scene of them talking about the wedding gift. Yep. I remember what, like, that was the topic of conversation, was that scene. Like, that the zeitgeist of this movie was that scene. Everybody would quote it. Everybody would talk about it, more so than the movie itself. Like, that was the, 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 the big takeaway was like, Remember that movie where they were talking about what to buy at the wedding at the pitcher's mound?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's great. See, that's yeah. the stuff that like I miss because I wasn't like around when this came out, obviously. So that's fun. It's a great movie. Listen, it's a great movie. It was very firmly in Contender Pong, but again, it's just one of those movies that like is more of a something else for me than than a rom com.
1: I think if I hadn't rewatched it a few weeks ago, it probably would have been back in Pong for me also. I think that was the like it's a bit fresher. In my head.
0: Right. That was, well, That that's the moment that you got to tip over, which is good. That's cool. That's that's yeah. why rewatching movies is fun. Like, that's part of the fun of it, right? As you go back as a different human and watch it and go, oh.
1: <laughs> totally agree. I, I, I've been doing that a lot recently. The, the the craziest one to rewatch actually was Starship Troopers, which we'll have to talk about in the next few weeks. We will. Because we'll watching it now... Like the, even then I knew that it was a, a, a piece of satire. Like I, I had followed that movie. I read the book when it first came out and I knew that Verhoeven was trying to make a satire. So I never got to, I never liked it actually that much because I just thought it was like sort of a weak sci-fi action movie. Now watching it in this current era, especially with like NPH on top of his game and having this role, just super fun.
0: Yeah. Dope. Fun. All right, my next one is the, is the other one that I wrote down absolutely instantly. Uh, it's kind of an easy five words, but that's fine. Arriving in United States. <laughs> uh,
1: I have I have this as well.
0: Oh, in your top five?
1: Uh, I do. I hadn't written a, uh, I was gonna, I, I, I will be honest, I did not pre-prep my top five uh, words. So I was just gonna riff off it. Uh, I would have probably done arriving. I'm gonna write some down while you chat for a quick second.
0: Okay. Well, so this is Coming to America. Uh, Coming to America is one of my favorite comedies from the 80s, probably Hard Stop. Um, This is absolutely peak Eddie Murphy. I think Arsenio Hall doesn't get nearly enough credit for how hysterical he was in this movie. Uh, But it's a rom-com. Like This is very much about... You know, the prince falling in love and then like the relationship with his father and the father. And like one of my favorite scenes from the 80s, I think in general, is like when the queen and king show up at his house at at the McDonald's house. Like that's hysterical. That entire sequence is just so ridiculous. But also like, yeah, like kind of like if in a world where all these other things kind of happen, like that's great. It's just so dope to, to watch all of it. James Earl Jones is so good. Paul Bates is so good. Like even his role, it's just such a fun movie. And it's again, one of those like masquerading as other movies, but clearly a rom-com. Like I think most people would just be like, oh, that's one of of those Eddie Murphy comedies. And it's like, nah, dude, like trading Trading places is is an Eddie Murphy comedy. Right? Right. This is a, this is a rom-com that Eddie Murphy happens to be in. And so it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, like trading places. Look, he they he gets the girl in the end. Whatever this movie is, the rom com storyline, right? It's the they meet up. Like I, I, to me, the way the lens is, if they are not in love for most of the movie, in fact, if they are either friends or sparring most of the movie and then end up together, it was probably a rom com.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Right. Yeah, and and I agree. Like the the uh, the king and queen of Zamunda arriving. Is sort of that forced plot point of, all right, conflict must ensue. You know, again, it's not the idiot plot with overhearing. It's instead, it's sort of a twist on the idiot plot that like, you know, the obscure set of rules that we must follow type of plot line, the the Romeo and Juliet in a way, but yeah. done really nicely.
0: Yeah. And I think it was like a fun way to do it too, because it avoided, for me anyway, it avoids the idiot plot entirely because they just, again, like establish from the beginning these rules it's not like you find rules all of a sudden like the movie starts with this guy shouldn't be doing this he can't be doing this there's a whole thing he's supposed to be doing he's doing the opposite and then it continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse as he gets deeper into the i don't want to do this thing because it actually looks like a life that he would want and all that nonsense like it's actually kind of an intelligent way to force rules and make it really clear from the beginning as opposed to like the you know stumbled upon, oh, it turns out I can't do this because I have this. And now we have to overcome that too. Our love will never work. It was like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. Like they started the movie that way, which I appreciate.
1: (laughs) Fully agree. Like that's, that's part of my problem with some of the more modern ones is somebody shows up three quarters of the way through the movie that had not been previously referenced. right? Right. Like, I never told you I used to be married. I never told you. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, you know, I've, yeah, there's a price in my head, whatever the thing is. Whereas right. in this movie, the whole setup from the get go is this, this is, these are your rules people. And yep. so you, the audience are, are taking along the ride. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, so we're sharing that, which means it comes back to me. Right.
1: Uh, we can share it or I can leave it in pong and get another one on the list.
0: Oh, if you want to promote something, please, by all means. Okay. Uh
1: I will give you I think I could just do it in in two two words. I don't know if I have to stretch it all the way to five. Do two. Laboring laboring young lady.
0: Laboring young lady. I might not know what this is. Laboring
1: I think you have not seen this movie. I think you know of this movie. And we have I have talked about it before because I love this movie. But I'm not, I think you might not have even seen it as possible. What is it? Working Girl. Never saw it. This should be on your list. You and Kayla could watch it tonight and have a lovely time. I haven't seen this one in about 15 or so years. And I'm willing to wager... Me having to watch like The Exorcist, that you will like this movie.
0: This is this, is, yeah, okay. This is, I just looked it up. This is one of the Melanie Griffiths. There's a lot of Melanie Griffith that for me whammies into like could have been, yeah. So, yeah, okay. I mean, look, I mean, that's a, I mean, Spacey Baldwin, Joan Cusack, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Melanie Griffith. Holy mackerel.
1: It's a great cast. It's a fun movie. It's a, and it's another one where. Everything's set up from the get-go. You know, there the the things that get in the way or help the romance are all fairly, you know, expected, but well done at the same time. Good. You know, the Harrison Ford is great in this movie. It is, I think, one of his most fun and relatable kind of roles. It's 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 like you watch this movie, you're gonna be like, Harrison Ford could be my neighbor. It's a, like he just feels like a very normal. He's not indie. He's not Han Solo. Uh, he's not the fugitive. He's just just a guy who you know does his job. At, you know, etc. And uh, and I think he plays that really well. But the the star of this movie, when you watch it, mark my words, is Joan Cusack. Yeah, she's Joan great. Cusack. She is so great in this and. It's like I want I want this Joan Cus- this Joan Cusack combined with my Blue Heaven Joan Cusack are two of my favorite Cusacks. I'm just saying for for the Cusack counting purposes.
0: Oh, well, we we will definitely update the Cusack count. Um, did did you ever watch Shameless? I have not watched Shameless. Okay, because she her character in Shameless. I mean, she's I think she's won Emmys for it, but it's like she yeah her dude she's there's something very unique and special about her, and so like it's 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 also crazy when you say those all those other names and you're like joan cusack's the one that stands out because i think she's like more observed as a character actor but like she's not because she steals scenes all the time so okay this is one of those things that i definitely i know i I, there's like i feel like there's a good chance i have seen this and like this would be one of those movies at 35 minutes in a thing happens and i go oh right 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 but definitely not. This is one of those ones that I saw on a list, and I was like, I can't. Yeah, I got nothing. I, got nothing. I hear
1: you. I uh, I will say my biggest issue with this movie is Melanie Griffith, who she's she doesn't annoy me the same way like a Renee Zellweger annoys me. <laughs> uh, and again, respecting the talent, but just sort of uh, just I think they call it now the ick. Yep. The I, I was I was reading about the ick. Uh, my per- problem with Melanie Griffith in this and most of her other appearances, I fi- feel she always looks like she's about to cry.
0: Fair. That's fair.
1: And since her character does have an emotional arc through this movie, it's just sort of like, I'm just sort of waiting for the next crying scene. <laughs> and I got nothing wrong with someone crying in the scene. It just, I, I want it to be a little more uh, uh, as a reaction to the events as opposed to waiting for the dam to burst.
0: Yeah. It's totally fair. I mean, I think maybe it's good that she looked like she was gonna cry for so long because now she looks like she can't cry. So, <laughs>
1: oh. why won't Hollywood cast Anyhow,
0: What's
1: uh, <laughs> what's next for you? I'm sorry,
0: I couldn't not make that joke. <laughs> I had to do it. I, had
1: to. I, I I like the joke very much.
0: All right, my next one. Okay, so we we just need to get into this world. Um, the five were so certain amount of really good.
1: Certain amount, certain amount, quantity, certain amount, some, some kind of wonderful.
0: Hey, there he is. That was really well done because it's not my favorite clue that I have today. It's actually one of my least favorites. So that's a good clue. It's okay. It's okay. So look, John Hughes. I mean, I've got a, there's more coming by the way, like in some capacity, whether it's Pong or not, doesn't matter. This one for me is slept on. I actually think, with one exception, that this is like one of my favorites that he did uh, because I think he sort of fixed a lot of problems I had with ones he did before. And also, three very important words just Mary Stuart Masterson. I love her so much in this movie. And her aesthetic in this movie was like a really big driving force for uh, like sort of like the fashion that would happen in the early 90s and and sort of mid 90s for a lot of like a like sort of that punk, that female punk scene and that vibe. Right. Like she was a really kind of like a really dope character that I get I think gets slept on because everybody thinks about like his other films like that was a really cool character like super cool character. And I also liked that they made Eric Stoltz, who was also, I thought was so good that this wasn't like the rest of the Brad pack. Like I really liked that it was him. Um, Right. Like that they kind of made him the dolt, Right. And sort of the not cool person. So it wasn't like the same thing as, as most of the things were happening at that time, which was like, You know, this poor girl who's not the, then the girl becomes a thing and somebody notices her because the hair, and then all of a sudden the wind was right and the Porsche and blah, 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 blah. This one was like, nah, this dude, like his family drags on him the entire movie. His dad hates, like him and his dad are constantly at odds. He's trying to take his life. I actually really like this movie a lot and surprisingly remember a lot of it where I don't for some of his other ones. His other ones, like, There's two or three of them that sort of just blend together for me. And then this one and one other one really stand out. And I just felt like some kind of wonderful wouldn't be in your top five. And I love Mary Stuart Masterson so much in this movie that I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the one I want to talk about.
1: I think it's a great pick other than the fact I can't remember it at all. That's
0: fine. That's totally (laughs) fine.
1: This is not, this is not, this is not, James Spader is in Pretty in Pink, right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, the thing I know most about this movie other than, than the cast, as you mentioned is the, uh, as we've talked about before the lick the tins cover yep. of Can't Help Follow Your Law. Um, so I wish I could join you in the conversation. I, I saw it on a list and I was like, well, I don't remember it, but I gotta say, I just pulled up John Hughes's actual writing list really quick. Yeah. Can we just take a quick moment? Are you ready to hear that? I'm going to go. With, with I'm going to skip one title. Exactly one.
0: Okay. okay.
1: This starts in 1983 and goes till 1990. And by the way, after this, there's still like 10 more. But just this list. Mr. Mom, va- Vacation, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, European Vacation, eh. Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. She's Having a Baby, Great outdoors, which I personally don't like, but many people love. Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation again, and eh, Home Alone. Right, and then after that, there's two more movies that I like a lot, but most people haven't seen, which are Career Opportunities and yep. Dutch. I love Dutch. Love Dutch. I love Dutch. Let's rewatch Dutch and have a Dutch episode because there's I, there's can't be that many podcasts about Dutch. <laughs> I'm going to go search Spotify right after this call. I and, think you're going to uh, find a lot of me. things
0: that have nothing to do with movies. If you search Dutch on Spotify.
1: Um, I, think we're, I think we might have to rename... We might dedicate the entire rest of the series to Dutch. Just We'll do one on the cast. We'll do one on the setting. We'll do a live read of the first half hour of the movie. We're going it. all in on Dutch, everybody. <laughs> like, but what's interesting, by the way, to your point is... Some Kind of Wonderful is kind of the last one on the entire list that you would call as any form of a rom-com at yep. all, right? The rest just aren't. So it's interesting that your observation, like, he, you know, some things, again, I'm not going to guess which ones you meant, but there's rom-com elements in Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink, even in Weird Science in a lot of ways. Uh, and then Some Kind of Wonderful nails that.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like the reason it's my favorite of the rom not my favorite film that he did, although it might, it, it's up there. Like, I think it, for me, it was him sort of putting the stamp on it because he flipped the script, he went with the boy, but there was still then the girl, his the, the girl best friend. The girl best friend is more of like the sort of BA, tough, roughneck character who and, and played perfectly. And then he has like, he I think he just sort of fixed a lot of the, the things that he probably learned he didn't like after those other movies came out and how they were interpreted and that why that, that one sort of was great. But then he had also set the stage for how movies were supposed to look now and how rom-coms were supposed to behave and he sort of broke it, which is why I think people don't look at that one as, as his best, which is a shame because I actually think he, he evolved before everybody else did. They weren't ready for him to show, show what was next and he did it and I've always wondered if that's why he didn't do it again.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take. Like now, because I'm still still sitting here looking at the the uh, catalog of his titles, and you can actually see a bit of an arc. Like you can see him go through his. I'm going to be a little goofy over here. I'm going to lean way into teenagers over here. I'm going to lean way into families over here, and then I'm going to go on this weird Home Alone Beethoven sequel streak that just is not
0: not good at all. But not great. Before all that, it was great. Yeah. I mean, you, I would argue that's probably one of the best in, in a collapsed period of time. That's got to be a top five run of all times, probably in the top three.
1: As straight up writing, in particular, he only directed eight of his own movies, right? Right. And those eight are all other than again, I don't, I don't love Uncle Buck, and I don't love Curly Sue, but the other six are: she's having the baby, Plains, trains, Ferris, Weird Science, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles. Wow,
0: pretty good,
1: <laughs> pretty good. Pretty, it's almost a John Cazale-like uh, Fredo. It's almost his level. Not quite, but almost. It's pretty good. All right. My next one will be Title of a Police Song.
0: <laughs> Title of a Police Song. Well, I love the police, but I don't know if I'm going to know. I don't know.
1: Hmm. I should have said something about put out the red light.
0: Oh, Roxanne. Oh, Steve Martin and Roxanne. Yeah.
1: Worms, JT
0: worms. I'm afraid of worms. I forgot this movie. I forgot all about this movie. I, this would not have been a top five for me. Cause I don't remember it enough, but it probably did deserve to be in Pong. Cause I do know it. Oh, that's a bummer. Good. That's a good, that's a great pick.
1: Thanks buddy. And for me, this is a have not seen, I'm going to go with... I, I must have seen it at least once or twice in the 90s because I know Jeff and I saw it together in college at some point. So it's definitely been, you know, 25, 30-ish years since I've seen it. I could tell you so much about this movie. I remember it so much better than Some Kind of Wonderful, right? Like, I, right. you know. So one of Steve Martin's best performances, I would guess without looking it up that this is one of those ones that started his transition from silly comedic actor into able to handle a bit more of a, of a legit role, you know, cause he does go through some emotional arc. He's not just the jerk. He's not just back and bowl. You know, he's, he's actually acting and actually has emotions and does everything. I'm not the hugest uh, Daryl Hannah fan, but I do love. Really? Lo- yeah uh I don't know I never loved her that much you know I I I mean there's another movie that I'll talk about in pong with her but I don't know she wasn't one of my 80s draws I was uh, way like Meg Ryan had my number in the 80s for sure I
0: feel like mom, uh, I feel like that's true for almost everybody but fair
1: <laughs> but between but but she's great in this and Rick Rossovich, 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 Rick Rossovich, great in this. He's the buff dude. He's he's he would be. He's the lead of the story in a way, even though Steve Martin's actually the lead of the movie.
0: Oh, that guy, Top Gun guy. He's in Top Gun.
1: He's the Top Gun guy, and he's in the first season of ER, and then leaves ER voluntarily, and I think basically leaves acting voluntarily along with it. What? But in this, he's <laughs> solid. Yeah. He's also, by the way, in, because uh, I just saw that he's also in T1. He's in Terminator as oh, nice. just one, like, thug or cop or something. I can't remember what he was, just sort of someone that Arnold beats up.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So Rox- Roxanne is just an awesome, it's, it's one of the, it's a Shakespeare, right? Isn't it based on a Shakespeare? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which one. I was just having a conversation with somebody about how little I know about Shakespeare but it's one of the Shakespeare's. I'm pretty Not Taming of the Shrew. It's... Um, no, it's Cyrano. That's what it is. Sorry, it's not Shakespeare. It's Cyrano. Okay. I knew I was close to my obscure... Not obscure, but, you know, classic. The classics, JT. It's the classics.
0: The classics.
1: But uh, The Worms Line is one of my favorite all-time movie quote, quotable things. And again, just, just love this movie. I kind of want to rewatch it now to see... If any of it holds up, all of it holds up, none of it holds up, I'm very curious now.
0: All right. All right, my next one, Unusual Educational Discipline.
1: Is this Weird Science? Uh Uh-huh. All right. Let's let's hear it, Chet.
0: Well, so I actually talked about this movie, like, within the last... 20 ish episodes. Cause I think we did the robot episode and I used Lisa. That's right. It was funny. That's right. Uh, uh, this is a, again, I tried to go not on the nose with the, like, so I don't want to step on yours, but like the John Hughes stuff, like there are two that are maybe three, even that are just very specifically straight up rom-coms. This one is kind of not, it, but it kind of is, right? It's 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 about a different kind of romance, and it's about f- like you know, sort of like fantasy romance, and then there's all the weird stuff that happens, and the jet and you know, and then the you know, basically the weird biker club. It's such a fun movie. Like it's such a fun movie. And the reason I went with it is because I personally don't love rom-coms that are so on-the-nose rom-com-y that you kind of have to like step away from it. Right. Like for me, like my favorite rom com of all time, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, is High Fidelity. And the reason it is, is because High Fidelity is actually about a dude breaking down. (laughs) Right. Like a guy who is like in an utter spiral downfall, who's on the brink of serious depression, trying to figure out who he's supposed to be. And then. They introduce all of this love interest and these people that care about it. That's a fun way to do a rom-com for me. Like if you're going to make me laugh about relationships, show me them falling apart or not working, but like in a natural way, not in a like, the bus got in between us and we couldn't go because the train, you know what I mean? Like I hate that stuff. And I live with a a person who grew up with that being sort of the thing that you're supposed to like. And so my wife, Kayla watches so many rom-coms and I've watched so many of them with her and I just don't. I just don't. I'm just like, okay. I'm like, they're fun. Like, unless it's Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, I'm out. Like, those two, for some reason, have my number and make me laugh. But every, all the other ones, like every, as you said earlier, every Heigl, every Diaz, every J Lo, I'm like, fine, fine. I'll write this movie for you. I'll save you the hours 50. Let me just tell you yeah. how this ends. Versus Weird Science, which is like, unless you take a step back, I think you'd forget that there's like, it is kind of a, a comedy about like Romeo. They, they built their dream girl. And then that dream girl kind of turned into a maternal thing. So there's an adipose deal, which is weird, but it's still very funny. And the movie makes me laugh. And it has one of my favorite scenes of all times that they can never make again, which is Anthony Michael, Michael Hall in the blues and in the jazz bar. Never again. No one, you can never, never make that again. And it's one of the funniest scenes of the eighties. And I will die on that hill. <laughs>
1: No, for for sure. I and the the other part of this, by the way, what's interesting, like timing wise, zeitgeist wise, is this is like Kelly LeBrock becoming this household name and then also sort of subsequently disappearing. Disappearing. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Odd.
0: yeah. I've always wondered yeah. what happened to her and have never bothered to look. Should we look? No. Okay. I choose to believe she was actually a robot created by two people in their bedroom, and this movie exposed her, and then she had to go underground in hiding. i accept the theory. And then she came back as Catherine Heigl with a new skin suit in the 90s. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a documentary. Okay.
1: <laughs> Courting a Rock. Romancing the Stone. Correct. Pong. Pong? Okay. So, Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas. Just Joan Wilder. Just Joan. There you go. I haven't seen this movie for a long, long time. But I remember loving it. What's funny to me is, to this day, when someone tells me they're going to Cartagena, all I think about is this movie. I'll always say, watch out for the crocodiles.
0: Watch out for the crocodiles, yeah.
1: I'm like, as far as I'm concerned... Carter that looks exactly like it did in whatever it was 1987 <laughs> romancing the stone that plus again just so many new things were being done in a movie like this like michael douglas as your indiana jones style character except he's just terrible you know and, and has a couple of heroic moments but basically just not good at what he does no. the romantic comedy author being trapped being sort of like, the meta of it, in a way, was clever, right? We didn't have a lot of those kind of things. Sort of predates, like, Misery and those kind of those kind of stories. For sure. And I just remember it being just a super, super fun ride. Like, it's sort of... In a lot of ways, this whole movie is like a Disney ride. But then, to what you were bringing up earlier with movies like uh, Bull Durham and, and Rude Science, fundamentally, it's a rom-com. They meet each other. They don't like each other. They have some quest ish style thing that forces them to spend time with each other and oh they're in love and it's great
0: yeah this one was firmly planted for me on the i remember thinking that movie was a lot of fun i think i probably saw it in my early teen years with my mom who was a big fan of the movie and i remember thinking like yeah this is good and then was like "Eh." and it's just it's one of those things where i was like i know it's a good movie i remember thinking it was good outside of like maybe the Cartagena thing also has always stuck out to me just because you don't hear that word a lot. Um, but that was pretty much it. I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. Same. By the way, this is another example of a kind
1: of movie that they could just make a movie like this. I, in fact, I think of the movies we've been naming, most of which could be redone in a modern version. Like you're oh. telling me you can't do a weird science that's happening in a metaverse or, or like that someone's creating an avatar for their, for their metaverse or for their, for, for Fortnite or whatever and it comes to life i mean like come on come on yeah. hollywood
0: figure it out
1: just yeah just don't call it a reboot just just do a movie like this do a mm-hmm. romancing the stuff give us an action hero i guess the mummy in a lot of ways with you know brendan Fraser. hollywood won't cast brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> all right what's next for you
0: okay so i was stuck between another john hughes film and this one. And I my memory of the John Hughes film is far superior. However, I'm going to go with this anyway, uh, just because it's more fun. So Magical Flat Calzone. Is it
1: Mystic Pizza?
0: It is Mystic Pizza.
1: You know, I've been to Mystic Pizza, but I've never seen Mystic Pizza.
0: You've never seen Mystic Pizza?
1: No, we went over that topic quite a few times on the process of me going to Mystic Pizza without having seen Mystic Pizza. And by the way, Mystic Pizza is pretty tasty.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's it's actually really good. And I, I know, like, so this is just more pizza trivia than it is movie trivia. But So Mystic Pizza, <laughs> back in the day, actually, like, made a point to make the restaurant look more like the restaurant from the movie because they were like... And it, it didn't look like that. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to do a shot for shot and we're going to shoot it in Mystic Pizza. They made it this Mystic Pizza and then Mystic Pizza in Connecticut was like... Oh, <laughs> like we yeah. need to look like that now. And they did. And, you know, it's, it's good. It's fine.
1: Yeah, we were there the summer before, uh, before COVID. Was, we, would, we did a weekend in Mystic where uh, they build boats, by the way. They build and restore boats in Mystic, Connecticut. There's a lovely bridge and actually a pretty cool, like hipsterish kind of food scene. A lot of like good little bakeries. Definitely a nice weekend away. If you're looking yeah. for a place to go this weekend, everybody go visit mystic Connecticut. Today's episode brought to you by mystic Connecticut.
0: <laughs> People are like They're um, getting towns to sponsor them now. I know, man, we got, we got whole municipalities on our side at this point. So, so the thing I like about this, so it's Julia Roberts. Um, and it's like before she was before pretty woman, before all that other stuff. So it's like baby, baby Julia Roberts. Um, it's a Lily Taylor. I love Lily Taylor. Like 80s Lily Taylor is one of my favorites. Like 80, late 80s, early 90s Lily Taylor is like such a specific specific thing that only really works in that time frame, but it's so perfect in that time frame. I love it. Um, also like a baby Vincent D'Onofrio is in this. It's actually a really, really cute movie. This is a very much on the nose ugh, sort of rom-com thing, like way more so <laughs> than any of the other ones that I've picked. Like this one is just like a straight up rom-com. There's no... There's nothing clever about it. Like it's a rom-com. It's a like good from start to finish. It's a rom-com. It, it avoids most of the idiot plot stuff. There is a couple, I don't think there's any overhear moments, but there's definitely like a, wow, that was convenient. Wow. That's convenient again. Wow. A lot of things are happening very specifically for these events to unfold. But even in doing so, it's very, very sweet and charming. Uh, and I actually really just think it's like a fun, nice romantic comedy. And it's one that actually holds up because they didn't do any like super weird stuff in it. So it, it's just sort of like a small town. It's a fishing village, right? Fishing village, pizza place, you know, on the harbor and whatever. It's cute. It's actually really cute. And I didn't want to pick another John Hughes film because my other option was a John Hughes film.
1: Well done. No, I think it's a nice pick. I Should I see it? Like, is it, you think it's worth it?
0: Here's the thing. I I would say it's probably worth I'd say it's worth seeing. Like I wouldn't jump it to the top of the list over movies that you actually should really see, but there's probably a certain sense, and this isn't like an old joke, but I would imagine that there might be a bit of nostalgia in it for you because like it is, it's like the late eighties, so like it is like definitely a timepiece. Like there's a lot of references and cool little things that are happening in this movie that I think are like very specifically a nice remembrance of the time. So for that reason, it would be good. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't like run out and be like, oh man, it's one of my favorite rom coms of all. It's not. It's like a totally good rom com for the 80s. But <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to say Breakfast Club.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I don't I would have a hard time calling back Breakfast Club a rom com. So I would, have, I would I would argue, I'd fight you on that.
0: Well, so I, I had it in my pong and then I was like, but actually in comparison to the other stuff he did, I actually think Bre- Breakfast Club is a more interesting rom-com because it doesn't become a romantic comedy until the last act. And that's sort of the thing that makes me like it as a rom-com because I don't want three acts of rom-com. I want like other things happening. And then if you want to turn it into a rom-com as, a, as closure, all right, knock yourself out. That's a cool way to do that and trick me into seeing something that's about teenagers falling in love and nonsense.
1: Hmm. My, uh, I don't. I, I, I hear you. My disagreement comes from I don't. I don't think it. I mean, it does follow the sort of trope of they don't like each other. They don't like each other. They don't like each other. Smoochy, smoochy time. But they also don't. I don't know that they're really trying to actually get together. It's very unclear that they're probably not staying together. They just sort of have like a kiss in the bathroom.
0: But yeah. but the thing is, I think that's the reason that I think it actually is exactly like most rom-coms if you think about the three-act structure because what happens is, right, forced conflict to, to begin with, right? So the initial, we don't want to be here. Something happens, putting people together, immediately don't like each other, all of a sudden fall in love. Act one, act two, act three. The difference is, is that what I thought John Hughes did really well in Breakfast Club, which is one of the reasons I think it, it plays so well, is he doesn't show you that he's going to do the come-together romantic-y thing until the very end which makes it not feel like a rom-com but for all intent and purpose like the way it's written and the way it plays out it's every rom-com ever just with a lot less payoff
1: (laughs) Mm, i don't know okay we're gonna agree to disagree on this one
0: i'm fine with that it's not not i hear your logic all
1: right all right all right into pong let's roll I have, a, I have an alliterative entry. I love alliteration. Small store sells scary stuff.
0: Small store sells scary stuff. That's really hard to say. Uh, I don't know. Little shop of horrors. Oh, cute. Yeah, didn't even. It's what. It's what. It's funny. It's what came to mind. I'm like, that's not. A, eh, I guess I could see it being rom com.
1: Oh, it's totally rom com. He's yeah. courting her the entire movie, yeah. you know, kills her boyfriend.
0: <laughs> right. He kills her boyfriend. Got it. Uh, Just like, saying
1: in the, in the movies where the protagonist may or may not go to jail after the story's over. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely some reckless endangerment going on with this one.
0: Certainly reckless endangerment for sure. All right. Keats and Yara fire sticks.
1: What was, the, sorry. What was the first word?
0: Keats and Yara fire sticks.
1: Quince- quinceanera
0: is that like is that a word what do you not know what a quinceanera is so is the party it's like a party it's a coming of age party in like spanish culture is that what they reference in maybe clueless or some well, other in the, it's in the there's probably there might have been i don't think there was a quinceanera in that but yeah it's like a I, I i thought it was a little bit better well known so maybe this is a bad clue
1: no, 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 like I had to hear it a couple of times. I, it is definitely, by the way, in some '90s rom, some kind of teen or rom com in the '90s references a Kinsenera. Now, oh, now that you're saying that, so now the whole clue one more time.
0: Well, is Kinsenera fire sticks? Fire sticks should give it away.
1: Fire sticks, party. What's a f- party torch? Party match. Party to fire stick candles. Can- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I sort of thought you were done with all your John Hughesiness, but I guess you had one more. I've got more, too. <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh, I will give you
0: needs a life preserver. Oh, this is overboard. Correct. Right. I didn't see this one, but you did a, you did a, which you should watch with this forever. I did
1: a long, long time ago. And I kind of feel like I want to rewatch this one because I have not seen this since the 40th or 50th time I watched it in the 80s.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, so this one, I'm surprised neither of us had in the top five, but uh, speak whenever. Speak whatever. Say anything. Whenever. Say anything. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things that I feel like has one of the most iconic rom-com moments, but I don't actually think is one of the better movies.
1: Oh, I first of all, it's just not one of my favorites. Probably just weird weird random. Like I think I think we all pull weird stuff from the 80s in different ways. People who like this movie will 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 really argue with you is that they they are like this is this is the movie like this
0: well remember that we had a rebuttal we left this off of something i don't remember what it was and we had a rebuttal episode where one of our listeners came out and made a point for it and again i like saying anything i loved listen we love the cusack's here if you haven't gotten this week's podcast is brought to you by Hmm. the cusack's but the and i love john cusack in this specifically but again it's one of those things where if i had to talk a lot about the movie i can tell you a ton about the last like 15 minutes and the rest of the movie for me is kind of just leading up to the 15 minutes at the end. And I don't, whereas like the other movies I that I mentioned, I can talk a lot more about other plot points.
1: Fair, fair. It's again, I've only seen it once or twice and it was just not one of my realizes. But I it. think, uh, I think I just missed it. Yeah. All right. Next one. I can't really talk much about this one because I've only seen it like once or twice, but I know it's a great movie and I remember loving watching it, but I just don't remember enough about it. So it's here in Pong. Uh, Hit by a celestial object.
0: Hit by a celestial object. Oh, Moonstruck. Correct. Cher?
1: Cher, Olympia
0: Dukakis, and uh, our boy Cage. Cage, this is Baby Cage. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, like, I don't know if I've even seen. Oh, it's
1: Phenomenal but it just wasn't like a huge rewatch. And so I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but I remember absolutely loving it. I know it either. I know that there's at least an Academy Award or two for this movie. So it's actually probably, <laughs> it is likely the best of the movies we've talked about today. Like yeah, from probably. a pure like quality of film perspective, but uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, yeah, that's long time,
0: long time. Uh- I only have one more because we've talked about all the rest of mine, which is uh, Beautiful and Blush. Oh, pretty.
1: (laughs) The last one, the last Hughes for the day would be Pretty in Rosé.
0: Yeah, and the reason, like, even though it's like a bummer to just be like, these are all the John Hughes films, like genuinely going through this for me, that is what 80s rom-coms to me are exclusively John Hughes plus the four other ones I talked about. That's it. Like, there there just aren't other ones. For for me, there just aren't other ones. It's totally fair.
1: And Mm -hmm. uh, my last one, my last one's not a Hughes, uh, and it's not a good movie, but I had a lot of affinity to it. Also, in a weird way, don't like it. I can't quite explain, but um, jumped in a pool.
0: Oh, Splash. Correct. So, uh, potentially unpopular opinion, specifically from a millennial don't like this movie. So it's not a good movie. Like I actually dislike it. Like this this movie was one that I did think of and went uh-uh, nope. Cuz the, there's a
1: certain level of the thing that's the problem with this movie is the the conflict is too it's a little too much. The the Eugene Levy, although he is great at this character. He's amazing. It's just a little a little um, I'm not going to use the word violent, but it's more tense than a movie like this should have had. It sh- that, And I think that's why, because I, I know exactly what you mean and I share it, but I also really like it just from John Candy's stuff and Tom Hanks' stuff. But I, yeah. I, I get what you're, you know, The I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is that the, the, um, the forced conflict per se feels not only forced, but is also like uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, so this the, this is going to be this will be one of the weirdest parallels I've ever drawn in the podcast. I hope it makes sense to somebody. This is the the bad version of Cable Guy. Cable Guy created this really intense, odd, awkward, uncomfortable thing, which you either totally understood or didn't. But it was the intention of the film. So people who walked out of that going, "I didn't like it," it's like, yeah, you weren't supposed to. That was the point this movie didn't do that and made me feel the same way the whole time. So even though there's a lot of mm. stuff happening in it that I like, I'm like, I don't want to feel like this with these people ever. Like I actually I gotcha. really don't like that movie.
1: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's, and I've talked about before. Like I keep describing, it's not a good movie. It just also sort of fits into a place I like in a weird way. That's cool. can't quite describe it, but yeah, the, it's all, it's, to me, there's also almost a similarity to the ETs that, like, when it's like when ET's dying is when she's like suffering as a mermaid. And it's like, I don't need to worry that my mermaid is dying. Right. To, to fall in love. Like, that's the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's very well said. That's a better parallel than Cable Guy.
1: <laughs> like, there's never a scene where you've got J Lo, like, you know, stuck in a cell or something, like right. starving to death.
0: It's the and Rocky then, and Bullwinkle. Like they had to tire to the train tracks to make him fall in love. It's like, that's boring. Like you don't need right. that. You didn't have to do that to make this work. It worked before that. Ex- right. Well said.
1: Hey, at least I didn't go with Mannequin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Mannequin's a movie that I actually have seen parts of and have never made it all the way through and don't feel the need to.
1: I'd say that sounds exactly right. Okay. Perfect. But I've definitely seen it like a dozen times on HBO in 1988 or whatever, like a dozen or two. It sounds I mean, terrible. It's I can't even explain to my kids how much <laughs> you had to rewatch stuff. Like, I don't know what people who weren't watching things over and over again in the 80s were actually doing with their lives. Like, I, I don't know what else, what, what I missed out on, which was full of rewatching garbage. Some, <laughs> some people were living much fuller lives clearly than i was i just don't know doing what like
0: obviously the answer is throwing a football they were in carnahana